Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. Uh, today, I'm going to switch it up on you. Yeah, because I'm I, eating a giant burrito. Because you're shoving a giant burrito, lots of meat in your mouth. Mm-hmm. So let me, uh, let me do this. Are you, regu- are you a regular listener? Why not? Subscribe to The Practical Guitarist on using your chosen podcast app. Take time to put in a review with the service where you found our podcast, like iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Of course, it's probably the one you're using right now. Get involved. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash practical guitarist. You can also find us on Twitter as at pract guitarist. If you're interested in supporting the show, we have launched a threadless store at practical guitarist podcast And if you'd like to donate money to the show, as always, you can always use Patreon. Our Patreon is available at patreon.com slash practical guitarist. If you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can do so at questions at practical guitarist.com. And that reminds me, well, um, you're still shoving food in your mouth. Mm-hmm. We had a question on the podcast from a regular listener or on the uh, Facebook page, actually, podcast Facebook page. And um, let me get that up here. The uh, this was an interesting question, and I'm really bad at getting to groups quickly. <laughs> it's easier to do on on uh, the app, which is weird because most stuff is harder to do on apps. Yep, they have a they have a good app type app team over there at uh, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, and they have a terrible um, team of people letting uh letting people know what you're doing. So we had two questions. I thought they were both interesting. The first one I'd like to get to is, so you're using attenuators. What are they? And how do you like them? Okay, well, I used to use an attenuator a long time ago. I had a um, Fender DeVille, and the DeVille is well known for being really loud. And when I say really loud, I mean, that thing, even at two, would blow your eardrums off in a room. And uh, I used to use a... um, uh, kind of a self-made thing. It was uh, one of those early, you know, DIY devices um, that you could find all over the internet. This was the uh, early 2000s, maybe 2000. Something called an L-pad? Yeah, that that sounds familiar. Yeah. It was a long time ago. I I used it for a while and then I heard, and, and it was kind of true, I noticed that my amp would run really hot. Um, which makes sense. When you're pushing a tube amp loud, it does run hot. Um, and because of that, I was like, uh, I'm not crazy about this. So I stopped using it. Um, and I've not used a brake since. Although I know that some people use brakes. Um, uh, Merle just decided your boogie is a good place to sit. Yeah, it's not Merle. That's Michonne. Oh, Michonne has. The the burrito is complete, so I can comment now. Um, first off, thanks to yeah. Burrito Prio Mexicana for uh, making my wonderful steak burrito. 
Mm. With jack cheese. Good stuff. Anyway, moving on. Um, this is not a food podcast, so we're not going to go oh, too deep into that. Then we shouldn't talk about the fact that I tried a new place for lunch. It's no. called Freddy's. <laughs> Freddy's Steak Burgers. Oh. It was kind of it's kind of like Rallies meets Sonic meets um like I don't know. Like like uh Five Guys. Right. It was all right. It was okay. All right. Okay. So, as far as attenuators are concerned, I've had a totally different experience. Um I think of the inten- so those really basic circuits like the things that you see people installing in coffee cans with giant heat sinks and stuff like that uh are typically L pads. Um if they're not done right, if you're not giving the right load to your amp, for example, yes, they will run hot and yep. you could potentially have serious problems. Uh, most of your designs that you're going to buy from commercial manufacturers are not that way. Uh, I know the Marshall Power Brake kind of got a bad rap because it had, sad fans on it, and I think they had a bad run of them or something, and some of them were dying. For a long time, people were like, oh, attenuators are dangerous. Well, they're really not. I mean, it just depends on how you're using them. First off, a variac is not an attenuator, which some people will tell you it is. Uh, it's a whole other thing. Um, yeah, that's something to be discussed another day or maybe later, because yeah. that, that is a completely different type of circuit. Right. So the ones I've got experience with, I've had, um, what have I used over the years? The Dr. Z air brake. I think I got to test out a Weber mass in a store one time. And those are the two I've got experience with. The uh, air brake light from, from Dr. C. And I mean, it's funny because when you buy one, you can see in the vent holes what the what this thing looks like on the inside. And it's literally just a giant resistor <laughs> with with taps on it. OK, so you're basically able to select different levels of resistance for your amp. And uh, well, yeah, so I don't know. I, I mean, that and, and that was designed by by uh, Ken Fisher. And apparently it's supposed to be universal. You're supposed to be able to use it with any ohm amp. It's just the way that circuit's designed. And again, it has beefy, you know, heat insulation and stuff, so you're not going to melt it. Um, the amp, yes, it's going to run just as hot as you would if you had that thing turned all the way up. Because your, yep. your tubes are up, you know? Um, yeah, and that's what I noticed. I mean, when I ran the amp hard... And what I would normally do, and this, I know there's other people that do this too, I would put the amp in another room, and I would run the amp loud. And yeah, it ran hot. Sorry for the foil sound, people. All right. Um, so I'm actively actually investigating other attenuators now. Um, I'm looking at the Rivera uh, Rock Crusher Professional, Rock Crusher Recording, I think it is. Um, and the reason I'm looking at attenuators, I live in a condo, right? And so for me to get the sounds I want out of my amps, I think it got to be a bedroom volume. And yes, attenuators crush your tone. For the most part, I have never played one that is transparent. And part of that's because you're not getting the speaker breakup. I mean, that's it, no speaker breakup. Uh, your tubes react differently if they're not if they're not hitting a reactive load. There, there's all these different variables that go into it. But an attenuator is a useful tool for getting more out of what you can at lower volumes. So I, when I had my brake, air brake light with my uh, Mark 525, which, by the way, needs attenuation. Even, it's 25 watts. That thing will rattle the walls in this house. Um, and the reason why I attenuated is for that, you know, to get the volume down. And when I was using the air brake light with it, I was getting 
I would say about 90% of what I would get when it was turned up. Uh, I was pretty comfortable with it. Now, again, I wasn't pushing my speaker cab super hard with it, etc. It's the kind of amp design where you're using preamp distortion, more than power amp distortion, etc. Um, that's kind of it, it, its own animal. You get these amps like a, like a Marshall Plexi. I don't really know that you're going to get the as good a result out of out of a plexi being turned up as loud and then put through you know some sort of attenuator that that puts it knocks it down to five watts of output um your mileage may vary so that's that's where i'm at i think it's a cool tool i don't think anybody should be relying on it for their live sound right i think that it's fine for like you said that bedroom practicing uh type thing but I would not use it in a live situation. Well, so live, I've used the brake light to just just knock the edge off. Yep. But I would not use it like at you know to to knock it down so the stage volume's quiet kind of deal. Um, it, it it's fine, I think, to knock off you know half a dB or something with it, um, yep. and just get your get your stuff a little bit more tame. But um. There's really no reason to. I mean, we're living in the day and age where you can get a 25 watt version of pretty much anything you'd want, or a right. five watt version. In some or cases. Fi- uh, yeah, I was just gonna say a Which five is, watt. If you need a raging Dude. amp sound, get what you bought, and we talked about last, uh, on Monday. Right. So. Right. So uh, yeah, that five watt amp. Um, uh, so let's talk a little bit more about that <laughs> before I get to the next question. You picked so up on that segue. Watt- the five watt amp found its way home, uh, home back to its home. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to admit I liked it. Yeah. Okay? It wasn't, First it wasn't I wanna bad. Say, no, I, I want to say that it was a really good amplifier. Um, the thing that I took from it is that I liked it. I, I, I got a lot of really good usable tones out of it and I could definitely have used it as a live situation, but I looked at the the cost and I looked at what I had and I said, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to run away from the wagon as Dave. We were talking about in the car last night. (laughs) Dave is riding the, driving the wagon. He's trying to run over me and I just keep running away. I'm like that, that dog that's uh, with the chuck wagon in the old commercials. Yeah, we're, we're having um, to chase Jim down to get him on the wagon. That's basically yeah, the, the, op- that's basically the yeah, scenario here. It's the opposite. The wagon is chasing me instead of me chasing the wagon. <laughs> and um, uh, I, so I ordered a, um, Amp 1, so Blue Guitar Amp 1. So we'll see what that sounds like next week. Yep. Uh, I'm extremely excited, and I'm, I, I got to admit, I'm totally jealous, Jim. With any uh, luck, I'll be using it live Friday you, night. You'll be using it live Friday night. I'm pretty yeah, convinced. Not this Friday, next week. I don't care when you yep. use it. You'll be using it live real soon. And then oh, you're yeah. going to report back to me and be like, David, you need to sell your crap and get one. Uh, In September, I will be using it live. I have a feeling that you're going to be really happy with your purchase. So. Yeah, I've been doing some, so I've been doing a lot of watching of it. I, I think that the next, um, I know that, that uh, there's a lot of things. I, I'm i a two-tone kind of guy, so I think the three buttons on it are fine, at least in the Yeah, in at the, least in the, the short, short term. term. Yeah, even in the longer short term. Um, I think the next thing I would do with it is get the uh, IR. Um, if I really like it, I'll get the IR. I'm, and then I'll go to the nano cab, and then I'll get the... Can we talk about direct outs for a second? Yeah. So. I, I, after, 
Did I? No, I didn't talk about this yet. So we'll start. We'll start before we talk about direct house. We'll start with my story about my situation this week. So, of course, I passed on the Freedman. Uh, I got a message from my local guitar shop, um, which is a good time music store in, in uh, uh, Carroll Street, Illinois. And Pat Davey, the uh, proprietor over there, gave me a call and he's or he didn't give me a call. He said, yeah, I actually sent me a Facebook message, which I know he hates using Facebook Messenger. So that always means something to me <laughs> that he reaches out to me via communication protocol. He does not like. Um, so he sends me a message. He says, what are you doing? Because he's seen me post somewhere in some group about my situation. He's like, you need to come in here and we need to talk. Oh, please, God, you didn't trade that amp. That's basically what the conversation was like. And I'm like, all right, all right. So I had to take my guitar in to get it set up anyway. So I, I, I hauled my butt in there that night and I was expecting, and this is, this is the, the credibility of going into this store. I was expecting to get made fun of a little bit and kind of get right. a little bit of a ribbing, but you know what? Pat was really super nice to me. And he's, he's like, well, he's like, you know what the rent is, right? He said, it's the, it's the copy version of a, of a Freedman. You know, they, they've contracted it out cheaply to get it manufactured. He said, there's, he said, you open those things up. He's like, it's got the quality that you would expect out of a $600 amp, not a $1,200 amp. And wow. And I told him, I said, well, that's my experience too. And he said, well, I'm just saying like the, the cost of the switches and stuff they use and the, the choices they made on the inside are not as good as the higher end stuff. So I asked him, I said, well, what would you recommend for what I'm trying to achieve? And I explained to him, you know, I'm doing like some Hendrix stuff and I'm really looking to get back towards a more British sound which I don't think the Mark V delivers out of the box very well. And I said, the other thing is the Mark V doesn't do great clean. Well, then he takes me over. He says, he says, this is why, you know, you need to come in. And he, and he takes me over to his, cause he's got a Mark V paired with like every cabinet on earth in there that, that Mesa makes. And he, and he shows me one that's plugged into a, um, a Lone Star. And I, of course have my guitar with me. So I grab it out of the case and we plug it in and he just, Flips the knobs, flips the switches, and he sets pretty much everything at noon. Puts me on the the uh, the crunch side of clean, and then takes the the five band EQ and makes a reverse uh, makes a frown a frown basically, right? And then walks away, right? And it sounds great. I mean, it's not boomy. There there's not too much bass, which is one of the problems I have with my closed back cabs. I love having the projection, but sometimes the the bass is a little too much. And um, actually, when I made this move to the smaller recto cab, the the bass probably went down by about three dB, and I'm just spitballing on that number, but it sounds like it was cut in half. And and I'm fine oh. with it. I'm actually happier with it because it's not as overpowering. I don't yep. have to be as careful with that that um, far left part of the EQ. But now that I've got, you know, I he set this up. I did a little bit of tweaking on the EQ, and I got it just a hair bit closer. To what I was looking for, and I was like, "All right, I'm done. How much? Of the, how much of the Lone Star cabs?" So he walked me through the pricing, and I haven't bought one yet. I'm I'm gonna try to get till June before I buy one. But right, he, you know, obviously I am gonna buy one at some point. Um, so I took it home. Now knowing my tone settings, and this is where we get into the direct out thing. Um. There's a video from Glenn Fricker showing the Mark 525 cab clone direct out. And he basically tore it up and down and said, it's shit. Um, I used it the other night and went direct into my recording interface. And I want to, I want to kind of give my thoughts 
in my review on the cab clone that is built into the Mark 525, because my understanding is it's slightly different than the one you could buy external. Uh, right. It is pretty much unusable with my current interface setup on my computer. I'm running a Steinberg UR22 uh, USB audio interface, which is 24-bit, uh, could go all the way up to 192 kilohertz, and uh, I run it via XLR. I don't really do anything special. The thing that sucks about the cab clone in the Mark V is the output volume of the cab clone is codependent on the master volume of the channel you're on. Now, if I get that master volume over, I guess, what, be like 9 o'clock, it's, I'm clipping my inputs. And, I mean, that's with my gain turned all the way down on the channel on my, my interface. So something, like, either the interface is poorly designed, which is which is quite possible. I've had some problems with clipping uh, with, with electric guitars without any sort of amplification into the unit with a thing turned all the way down set for guitar. Um, so I, it, the interface is probably partially at fault here. But, I mean, come on, guys. You couldn't put a volume knob for the cab clone on this thing? Like, what the hell? Just Just a little bitty trim pod or something. So you could at least tweak the amount of level you're getting into your mixer or your audio interface. I will say this about the, that's the downside of the Hughes and Kettner one as well, is that the, the volume that you set your, your actual volume to controls the output of that. And, and honestly, that should be more of a coloring thing when it comes to a DI versus a actual volume. You want your volume to be pretty much the same. Well, and the, it would be okay if I had a if I had a pad. You know, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Or pad. So here's the deal. This is why this is why I bring this up. So if you have your amp and you and you set it up, and my understanding is I'm getting a post post power tube feed into the cab clone. Now, okay. if that's not the case. No wonder it doesn't sound that great because you don't have any of the the uh juiciness that's imparted by the uh by the power tubes. So I'm kind of left scratching my head now because now that I probably have come to the realization that you're not getting any power tube grind coming through the through the cab clone at all. And that's probably what's going on with the Houston Kettner as well. And it just doesn't it sounds very dry. It sounds timid too. There's no there's no guts to it. Um, I could use the cab clone, and I said this on the sh- on the podcast before. I could definitely use the cab clone in a live setting as a supplementary thing to to a microphone, or as just on its own. As long as I've got the amp loud enough that the audience can hear it, because the, the your brain will fill in the gaps. But it's not usable on its own. I'm sorry. I've heard people say, "Oh, well, I'm taking my Mark Five uh, or my Mark Five Twenty Five, or I'm a- I'm taking the." Um, What's the other amp they make? Oh, the uh, John Petrucci model and using the cab clone out directly. I'm not using a cab at all on stage. You guys are crazy. <laughs> I uh, My hat's off to you because you're doing some crazy EQ stuff because that's the only way that's working. Um, I don't, I mean, honestly, I'm not even sure how, it sounds brittle. I'm not sure how to even cut in the mix. I think it would probably disappear because there's not enough like mid girth. That's all coming from the power tubes in these amps. Um. So I don't know. I I'm not I'm not that upset by it. So here's the here's the counter side of this argument. 
So I take this and I, I run four cable with my Mark V into my Helix, which is on the floor underneath my desk. And then I use HX edit to actually manage the Helix so I don't actually have to reach down and touch anything. Right. And as I'm doing this, I, I play around for a minute and I find out, you know, I find a cab I like. And I mean, I, I'm getting superior sounds out of IRs. So you're telling me you're looking at Blue Box and yep. I'm like music to my ears. It makes sense. Um, if you yep. don't have a device like Helix or you don't have a two notes torpedo, Blue Box is all IR based. And yep. there's some pretty cool IRs in there from what I from what I understand. Um, yeah. But so another thing for our listeners, you're you're using Houston Kettner, which is really interesting yep. because you yes, know, that's who built the DI for that. Yes, that all came. Blue built the original Red Box Thomas DI. Blue did the DI. So, so yeah, the Blue Box is a little yeah. bit different than the Red Box. Yep. In that, <laughs> in that the Blue Box is IR based, whereas the Red box is all analog based. You see what I do? You see what I did there? I, I hope our audience is catching on to this that there is a blue box made by this other company that's sort of a reference to this other box called a red box. <laughs> I don't think it was necessarily him kind of like doing that on purpose. I think it was just kind of a silly, like, hey, here's a coincidence. Well, I think that, okay, so, all right. The if you obviously if you play a Hughes and Kettner, it glows what color when you turn it on? Blue. Blue. But they also had a red version. Yes. I remember right. And so the red box was the obviously the emulator out, blah, blah, blah. All right. So if you if you take that, it makes sense that he probably wanted it named a blue box, or he was waiting on the name for the blue box. Didn't we ask him about, I don't remember if we asked him about that or not now, but um, I do know that uh, he was involved with that. Yeah. But yeah. So he, desi- we talked to him he designed that. all the red boxes. Well, he's at least involved in that design process. Um, right. I think there's been five of them. They've had five versions of that thing. Yeah. And um, so the red box does all analog. I think the red box is probably better than what's in the Mark V, to be honest with you. And I know a lot of people don't really like the red box all that much. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the red box is usable. I mean, it, we padded at the, we padded at the um, uh, input of the, um, the live. Yeah. If I had, a, if I had a desk, I'd be fine. I wouldn't care. Um, yeah. And then I could also use the desk to, to put some MIDI cue on it to, to fatten it up a little bit. But um so we're talking about this. I, I there was another podcast, Sixty Cycle Hub. Um, of course, I've been on there with Ryan uh, at Gearfest. Um, he did a video, and actually, I wanted to point this out, not to to shame the podcast or anything they did, um, but just to kind of you know open this up for discussion so that everybody kind of understands and is aware of this because this fits into the attenuator argument. So he did a video right. talking about the Nux. Oh yeah, yep. The Nux, what do they call that thing? Um, it's Nux, Nux or New X, but yeah, it's their version of a it's their version of a blue op, blue uh, the blue box, right? right? And so it has an in and a through, I think, on it. And the idea is that, or an in and a through and an out. And the idea is that you put your cab in here, and then the, the through I think goes to your goes to your DI or whatever you're going to use, and then the other end goes into your cabinet. Now, some people were like, oh, well, can you use this without a, without a cabinet? No, you cannot. Same thing with Blue Box. 
if now this is they, they, I'll, I'll get into some more here in a minute but if if you're using blue box with another amplifier other than the amp one you need to check with your manufacturer of your amplifier to see whether it's safe to be able to run it without a cab certain amplifiers can do it and certain ones can't in jim's case you and i both have tube amps that have a switch yes. that excludes uh it basically turns off the output that's correct um and i know there are other tube amps that can do this there's a lot of solid state amps that can operate without a uh without a cab as well and and many digital amps too so you just got to consult your manufacturer don't buy one of these like speaker emulation devices and, and think that they're all uh power soaks because that's what we're talking about an attenuator allows you to control the volume you can attenuate the volume and it can be used as a power soak but a power soak literally takes the place of a speaker and, ke- and makes it safe for your amp and it see- so your amp sees a load and you don't blow your transformers or your tubes um, right. and also you know keeps it silent that's basically yeah, what for- it is as somebody who uses it live, it's very, very important that uh, that you go to the no speaker, or they also have a speaker emulation setting, whichever one they use. If you leave your cabinet in a setting where it's expecting a load, you can still blow that same speaker out using the um, emulate, emulation output or the DI out which in my case, obviously, in the Hughes & Kettner is the Redbox DI. So it's very important for me to put it over there where it has a no-load yeah. thing. And what I'm sure they are doing is they're putting a dummy load in there. Yeah, it's, exactly what they, it's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And um, in a lot of cases, I wonder if it's actually safer to do that than to run it through a speaker because that, that load doesn't have any effect on the, the transformers. It doesn't flex. If, if the speaker has something wrong with it, it's not going to cause the load to look funny. Like, right. Um, cause it, the, the danger here is not, that it's going to blow your speaker. It's going to, it's going to blow your, your, uh, transformer. Your amp. Yeah. Your transformer tubes. Now the other, the other thing that, uh, um, so the amp one, I know I can use the emulation and I don't have to worry about that. It doesn't need a load cause it's class D amp. Right. Right. And so that's why he, and he even says it in the videos for the blue box. Like if right. you're using amp one, you don't even have to worry about this, but this is something to be aware of. If you're using another high quality tube amp to, to run through the blue box, which a lot of people do. Um, another blue box user is um, uh, Jennifer Batten. She's the whole system yes. pretty much. She and, uses. Yeah. She's got the whole thing. And she, uh, she uses the, she's told, she, I was watching a uh, thing on his uh, YouTube channel where Jennifer Batten basically says like, I, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread because now I don't have to worry about microphones flaking out. I don't have to haul extra equipment. I don't have to collect microphones. It has great cabinets in it. Um, you know, some of, some of uh, Thomas Blue's personal collection, like his, his great cabinets that he, he feels are, you know, the strongest ones he owns. Um, and so, I mean, I'm stoked on getting one just, just because blue box looks great, you know, to be honest yes. with you. Um I, it sounds like we've got an endorsement deal with Thomas Plug, and it's so funny because like Jim hasn't even had he doesn't even have it yet. So yeah, when he when right. he gets this thing from Guitar Center at the end of the week or whatever, um, yeah. we might be, we might be back here talking about how crappy it is. Well, we, hey, I will because I've used one. But. Yeah, I'll be completely honest. Whatever I find, I find, um, and uh, so I'll be testing it. I'll be putting it through all of its um, stuff. I'll be putting it into my cabinet. I'll be taking it to a gig. 
I'll be hooking it up with, um, you know, uh, using the send and um, uh, return for the effects line loop. I'll be doing the whole nine yards. It's such um, a practical piece of gear. I can't imagine you not liking it, Jim. And yeah. and I've heard it. And actually, the other guy you could reach out to if you want to get another personal opinion, another guy who's played it is Ryan. Ryan played it when we were at Sweetwater. Yeah. And uh, oh. tweaking the reverb and all that stuff in it. So what was it that you said about Ryan with Nux? Because I'm looking at the video. I haven't watched the videos. Um, no, it was in it was in a it was in a uh, the thread afterward. Oh, I think he was running it without uh, without connecting the speaker or something. Oh, I don't think I've actually watched the video. I just saw the thread where somebody mentioned like, "Hey, is this a load box?" And then Ryan quickly posted a picture on the video where he says. Make sure you have a speaker connected. I think he added it to the video. It was yeah, like, he says with correction. Yeah. On the video now. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. Cause I don't think he realized that it wasn't a load box either. And that's that's why I said it's not I'm not gonna, you know, act like that, that there are people that don't make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But I just yeah. wanna make sure that like anybody who's listening to this isn't thinking that, you know, you get the blue box, you don't have to have a speaker on the other end. You do. You still do. You so. still do. And that's the that's the thing that uh, people I think that that what happens is if you use this is the thing to remember in a solid state. Most I'm not going to say all solid state amps. Both solid state amps, you don't need a load. They'll run without the load. Um, and in a, in a, I can tell you this also with a tube amp, you can turn the amp on without a load. Just don't drive the amp without a load. In other words. Don't put a guitar into it or any other signal into it and expect it yeah. because even if you're going out of a DI, unless that thing has some side of setting that dummy loads the output, do not use any kind of input with that yeah, for if, a look because you will blow it. If you're not. Oh, and another thing before people go, do not grab. Oh, my speaker cable went out. I'll just put a guitar cable in there. Oh. Whoa, no, no, bad, bad. Bad guitarist. Jim, explain what that does. Because the speaker, a speaker cable is a different um, uh, load um, than a, um, a guitar cable. So what's going to happen is you're literally going to melt that cable and ruin your and your amp at the same time. Can I can I tell some stories? Because like, yeah, because it, everybody's done it at some point, right? <laughs> um, when I was a kid, when I was a kid coming up, just like starting to learn to play, and I was playing with my first band. I don't think we even knew that there was a difference. And we had a cab that we used with with regular guitar cables. And um, we used it for months and didn't have any problems. So yeah. your mileage may vary, but uh, I would not recommend it. <laughs> no, um, even, with a, even with a solid state power amp, you do not want to use a guitar cable. What it is is guitar cable is made for a high impedance load. It's high thin. impedance. It's thin. So it's not made for all that power. You want a low impedance load, a 16 um, ohm load, uh, a, uh, what is a, um, a guitar? I don't, um, I don't even know. Ring out to 500K. Yeah, it's, it's pretty high. Right? 500K or one meg, depending on your, yeah. um, uh, your pots. Right. It's almost yeah. no resistance at all. I mean, it's, yeah. Right. Um, and in your... You're, I mean, you could tell if you if you ever deconstructed one, and if you haven't, you got an old one laying around. Cut them open, take a look. You'll see they're yeah. co they're constructed completely differently, and yeah. uh, the thickness of a speaker cable is because 
it's got to be able to handle heat and everything else if something goes through it. Also, don't lick your speaker cable when it's plugged into your <laughs> amp. Jeez. Yeah, I guess you do have to tell people. Somebody did. So, so, all right. So if you knew this, if you didn't know this, you know this now. You can take two wires. You can take, if you're buying a speaker used on, on Craigslist or whatever, and connect it to a 9-volt battery, and it'll make the speaker jump. Right? It'll, right. it'll make a popping noise. Um, yep. Now, that's fine and good. You can lick a 9-volt battery. You can tell if the 9-volt battery is good, right? So if you want to tell if your amplifier is good... You could lick the you could lick the cable. No, but I but I but I warn you, if you lick that cable, you're gonna go flying across the room because you're gonna yeah. get you're gonna get a hundred watts of power or whatever your amp is yeah. rated at going right across your tongue. That's not not <laughs> not no, fun, not, not wise. No, no uh, do I, not do that. A certain amp, was not amp builder, but a certain uh, builder in a builder's community had done this and described the event as I woke up like later <laughs> that was basically yeah. how i said i woke up later <laughs> yeah it's a wonder he still has his tongue intact yeah well i don't think it i mean I, it's, don't do I'm it sure i'm, I'm not going to speculate how bad it is but it's not fun let's put well, it that way. It, it's always going to be based on you know those who work around electricity know that humidity and a lot of other things do affect the way that your body's gonna sure um you know conduct the electricity um, but remember, the higher the load, the uh, higher the power. Yep. So, um, case in point, don't lick, uh, don't lick cables. No. no. <laughs> Low voltage. That is not how to test for electricity. I don't know how many idiots I know that lick their fingers and test electricity. That is the. Oh, that is insane. Uh, not not household electricity, but electricity nonetheless. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's important when you're working with um, uh, solid state. Like I said, never use uh, uh, guitar cables in place. And if you've got any horror stories, go ahead and share them with us because that usually they're pretty fun. Um, some don't end as well as others. No, well, so that's the thing we've talked on the show before about how you know it, there was a time when guitar amps didn't have ground plugs on them, and. And there were times when uh, musicians were shocked on stage. Yeah, well, no, there were times when they get shocked all the time on stage, where the point where, like, that was not even even something you even worried about anymore. (laughs) Just like, oh, I got shocked by the microphone again. Oh, well. We didn't stand on rugs just because it was more comfortable. No, no. We stood on rugs to keep ourselves a little bit... uh, Insulated. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's safety advice from Dave and Jim. Yeah, safety um, advice. Safety advice from Dave and Jim. Um, our our other question on the on the podcast uh, group was help. John Bod asks help. Please talk me out of buying a Fender sixty eight Deluxe Reverb. When have you ever? This goes to anybody, John. I'm not picking on you. I'm just laughing because when have you ever posted on a board and had somebody actually talk you out of buying something? I, I did one time. You I, did, I, I did one time. And the funny part was I still bought it. Yeah. See, um, or like Hughes and Kettner Grandmeister. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, if I had a choice between the two, Ooh, I love the Hughes and Kettner. Um, and uh that 68 dr is really really um that's just it that's that's a that's a tough one so what do you think he's talking about the reissue the 68 custom and uh i've played that amp um i actually shot him out with the the 65 reissue 
And yep. I, I almost bought one. God, I don't even know how many times at this point. Um, but the 68, right now, if I was going to buy one, I'd buy a 68. It's more versatile. Uh, and I, and I'll say this, like of the, you know, I would say like kind of blackface style circuits. Cause the 68 really is kind of evoking the, the earlier circuits, even though it has the, uh, the silver face front on it. I would, I mean, honestly, um, I would probably get the 68. I don't, so, and then nothing against H H and K. Uh, I think Houston Kettner makes some really good stuff. I just think that that's a classic amp that that a lot of people, you know, should have in their closet uh, to use for recording or I mean, 20 watts is perfect for live. Yes. And so for most people who are playing in bars and small clubs, 20 watts is exactly what you want. Um, And that amp gives you what it gives you the um, the deluxe reverb channel. It gives you it with with, you know, vibrato and reverb. And then it gives yep. you a Fender Basement sound on the other channel. So, I mean, that covers a lot of ground. I honestly think that's probably one of their most versatile designs they've ever done. Um, I think the Hughes and Kettner, okay, so being a Hughes and Kettner um, uh, fan, yeah. obviously. Um, first of all, if, if I was doing studio thing, I have to agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, I, I think that the... Uh, there's no doubt that the reverb is an almost necessity or at least some emulation thereof. Yeah. But if I was using it for live, Hughes and Kettner has the top, has the, um, that 40 Watts. If you need it, I just, I, you don't need it as often as you used to, but it's there. You also have 25 and one or zero Watts. Cause you can go to the, um, the red box out. Um, so it's, it's extremely versatile in that way. Um, and, uh, it does have, um, a remote iPad app for control. So as far as a live rig, I'd, I'd prefer the Hughes and Catter. Yeah. Well, so even for me, um, I, I'm not, I'm no stranger to having to have headroom. I, I still think, um, the so the H and K the is the Grandmeister right is that the one we're talking about yeah, yeah that's a Grandmeister is that a is that a combo or head head yeah, well I, was, I would go with the head yeah so uh, that's one point in in H and K's favor uh, it's going to be more gig worthy because if you have a head head and cabinet yes I know people are going to people are probably going to be up in arms about this look if you have a combo where you have the tubes in close proximity to the speaker. And the whole thing vibrates. That's bad for your tubes. I don't care yep. what anybody tells you. That's bad for yep. your tubes. So yep. at least if you have the head, there's some sort, some degree of separation. Usually the feet uh, provide, you know, the uh, another degree of separation. Of, right. So it or doesn't vibrate as head, much. Right. Or you can put the head like I do, put the head on a little spot, sometimes a shelf, sometimes on the ground. Oh, I figured you put it on a platter. I yeah, put the head on the platter. Um, the other thing that I like about the Redbox and the, on the Grandmeister is they have a noise gate built in. Now, um, Bluig, that's a Bluig thing too. That's yes. Tomas Bluig as well, because um, he put that noise gate into the amp on um, uh, the Blue 
as well. And the reason, um, or the amp one, and the reason he did that um, is when you put a noise gate in front of the amp, you lose some of the signal going to the amp. Right. So by putting the noise gate in the amp, um, you can control it when you need to, because you don't really want a noise gate a lot of times on your clean side. Um, and I don't want it mostly, on the gain side. Yeah, and some people don't want it on the gain side. <clears throat> and sometimes you want a little, and sometimes you want a lot. But where it is is what's important, and that's what he was saying, is that you know when you're, when you're taking the noise, where you're taking the noise away, and how it affects the amp is what, um, what's important. I think the bigger the bigger question here and yep. what we should be stepping back and talking about is okay, these are two fundamentally different amps, right? You have one that is a modern do it all. That's correct. And you want to have one that is a vintage clean machine. Correct. Not, and and I don't want to say clean because it's got a basement channel on it too. Yeah. Um so what are you after? Basement <laughs> right. And it's really yeah, that's what I was gonna say. This is a it weird really comparison to what do you want? Because they are nothing like each other. Oh, and you've got the MIDI control as well on the red box. You're not going to have that on the um, on it. But you that might not matter. And you know that's really up to you when it comes to that, John. It's it's something that I would have to sit down and I would say, okay, what is going to work for me? And if I was the one using it, I I go for versatility on stage. I love versatility. Sure. Some people want simplicity. There are those two things. Um, and I, uh, I know one thing. After what you said about the Freedmans, so I told you I went to Guitar Center, tried those Freedmans. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, the Freedman wasn't bad, though. It wasn't too bad. I hooked it up to a Mesa Boogie. Um, which, which amp uh, are we talking? The Runt? The Runt. Because I think it's the Runt specifically. I didn't have the same problems with the Pink Taco. Yeah, no, it was, yeah, there was a pink taco and there was a runt and they had a BE. And were they all, um, in, were they all on clearance? Yes. The runts? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so I took the runt and I, I put it on um, a Fender or a Mesa Boogie one by 12. Um, uh, they called it an oversized cab. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, right. It's a big cab. I mean, this looks like yeah, a it's two the by wide, cab. It's a wide body. Yes, but it's called wide body. Anyway, I put it on there, and it wasn't bad. It was actually pretty. I I cranked it pretty good. They're good. But, sound, they're good sounding amps, but with yeah. the ones I had, the ones I played, at least one of them, the tubes was bad in it. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was about to say. So there was there were issues with the amp itself, the head itself. Yeah. That told me, uh, I I don't know as I'd want to spend eleven hundred dollars or whatever it was on those things. I just can't see putting that kind of money into it. Right. Right. Well. I think they're severely overpriced and yeah. it's not even a function of, you know, what the parts and stuff in them are. If if you're, so if you're, if your stick is, I do hand wired, uh, turret boarded amps, right. Starting at $1,500. That's cheap. By the way, that pink taco, if that yeah. wasn't a one trick pony, that would be an incredible value. Yeah. Um, but it is a one trick pony. It only does, you know, the kind of uh, vintage dirt sound. And uh, so if you were to if you were to go into the store and say, uh, get one of these, you know, you'd be you'd be better served than saying, hey, I want to spend eleven hundred dollars on the runt, which is yep. kind of a, a knockoff sort of thing. And that's what gets me is the construction's totally different on those amps. 
Um, they don't tell you that. It says on the tag, made in USA. And I'm sure it is, but where'd the board come from? Well, and We all know the, the board came from overseas. Yeah, that's, well, I mean, I don't know that for certain, but I'm just saying, like, it doesn't give you a whole vote of confidence that they can say, okay, we, we were able to knock off a little bit of money to right. go to a board. So where'd, where'd the board come from? Where'd the components come from? Where did the wire come from? I mean, you can, you could go down to any kind of thing like that. Well, well my question is, so if you go to a board of damp, right, is the, is the difference in cost between that and a turret board of damp really only like $400? Yeah. That does not sound right to me. There's something wrong with that equation. Uh, yeah. I think those amps are they're significantly more expensive than they should be. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I have to agree with you, and I think that that that's going to start easing itself because you're seeing them go on special. I think there was a time when people were like, "Oh, Friedman, it's so different. It's it's not the same as everybody else." So I've got something new. I, honestly, and, you know what I think the Friedman sound is, and I know people are going to piss all over me. I think the Friedman sound is a cream back. I think their oh, yeah, use of yeah. creamback speakers in their in their amps has given them that signature status. They, mm-hmm. It's a very warm, low mid, like pushed kind of sound, and that speaker suits that perfectly. But I think if you were to take like the uh, uh, the pink taco and run it through a V thirty <clears throat> cab, you're gonna get a completely yeah. different sounding amp. Well, I can tell you this: if the if the um, wide body is still there when next week when my uh, um, you'll try, one you'll, comes try in. Bo- you'll try both. I'm going to try them both. Yeah. yeah all I'm right. I'm going to see what it goes to. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think they were both cream back. Cause I, cause they had the pink taco cab there and I, I ran a uh, head through yeah. that. And they, I mean, honestly, the, the pink taco and the run sounded so much alike. It was like, it was, I honestly could buy either one. Didn't care. Uh, if yep. they were reliable, I would have bought a runt, but I'm glad I didn't, uh, in retrospect, my Mark five actually with the settings that, uh, were revealed to me. It sounds significantly better than than a uh, Friedman does to my ears. So I'm just glad you're stuck with your Mesa. I am too, actually. Uh, I don't feel as stupid now about it either because it's like I can be unorthodox with the amp and try different things, and if it sounds good, just do it. I I get stuck in a rut. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like I get stuck in a rut where it's like, oh, this is the way that everybody else uses it, so I should use it that way too. Instead of sitting there and thinking to myself, well, no, I need this sound. Like, this is what I should do. I just take what I got and make more of it. And that's part of the reason why we entered into Year of No Gear was to learn to how use to uh, learn how to use what we have and use it better. Um, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I always felt like when I was a kid growing up and <laughs> I didn't have money for gear, like I knew how to use what I had very, very well because like I didn't buy a distortion box every month. I had one distortion box for like two years. You know, you you figure every little nuance of that thing out in those two years, and the longer and the the longer you have it, the better you get with it. And, and with cheap stuff like or or what we do now is buying and flipping, or buying and selling, or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> horse trading. Um, yep. You never really get a feel for what the thing is capable of. You kind of know, but you don't really know. So I, I have to ask you if um, when it comes to horse trading, since we're Moving in another subject. Sure. Um, do you, when you look at horse trading, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to ask this a nice way. You can ask it in not a nice way. So it's fine. All right. It's me, Jim. You ever, you ever feel like when somebody's doing horse trading that they're just being an asshole? I mean, 
Yeah, Honestly, I've run into. I have had many dealings with many hipster people trying to sell equipment over the years, and I'm not generalizing it as to hipster people. I'm just saying, like, there's a one specific case that brings to mind, and that guy was a hipster, and yeah. we bought a we bought a, a deluxe reverb, and I think I've told this story. No, it wasn't a deluxe reverb. I think I've told this story on the podcast before that we bought a hot rod deluxe off a guy in Joliet. Uh, for where I'm at, Joliet's a 45 minute drive. So we drove down there. I met the guy in the parking lot. Uh, I'd already bought the amp through reverb. In the amp listing, he said the reverb does not work on the amp. Half the hot rod deluxe is in existence. The reverb does not work. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll get it fixed. No problem. I can probably just replace the tank or I can see what, what, uh, what's going on with the relays on the board and fix it. So I get the deluxe or I get the hot rod. Deluxe, I keep saying deluxe reverb. I get the hot rod deluxe. I get it home. I plug it in, put the cable in it. Nothing works on this amp. The only thing that works is the gain channel. No, it isn't even the gain channel. It's the clean channel. The gain channel is completely hosed. The clean channel, only the volume knob works. And it's not nearly as loud as it should be. And then the, um, like, everything else in the amp is just toast. The, the reverb, forget about it. But yeah, no, it doesn't work. He, he was right. Uh, the standby switch doesn't work. <laughs> So I ended up having to take it and get it all repaired. It was actually, I we bought it for a friend, um, but it was just a whole thing. And yes, horse trading, that guy was trying to get me to pay top dollar for his trash. And <laughs> that's what kills me is that you will get people that will think that their shit is worth more money than it is. And you will get people who know what their shit's worth, who are still going to try to do that to you because, yep. because they're, they're in it for the, for the, uh, for the deal of a lifetime. Those That's are the right. kind of people that, that I, there are podcasts and there are people and there are groups and there are attitudes in these, in some of these places of people like this. And you see it all the time. And I'm like, I'm a, I'll pay fair value for something. I don't buy things to, to flip them. Usually I oh. have, I have done it before, but I'm not the guy that's going to buy something, you know, at a reasonable price and then charge a hell of a lot more for it. So, Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. I, I mean, uh, and I'd rather I'd rather give someone a fair value for their for their item, um, and I'd rather feel like I got a relatively good deal, but I don't want to feel like I ripped them off. And I think that's a problem sometimes um, that that people have that expectation. So, all right the the next thing we had on the on the um, group was um, after we posted our last get good. Um, Jason Fuzzmonger pointed out that you you pronounced Lydian wrong, and Lydian, I didn't say anything during Lydian. The, yeah, uh, I didn't what? say anything during the podcast. Lydian, just take I it, didn't shove it. I didn't Why care. are we even addressing this? I just thought it was funny, but he also also pointed out that he tried <laughs> to watch smiling, TTK's, Jason. He tried to point out he is he tried to watch TTK's video and how does someone make such great gear selling shit so consistently? Yeah. I mean, I can mispronounce things, but at least I know what the hell I'm doing with it. Exactly. So I, I feel much better thinking about that. And that was a good way thought, to, to phrase that. Give me the, give me the horse shit up front. So then you can do, get, do the stuff that's going to make me angry, you know, right. and then give me the thing that makes me, yeah, there's validation, you know? Yep. Cause I just tell you, I, I just thought that was a little, a, a pretty funny, um, Pretty funny thing. Listen, if for those of you who know who know the show and have been following us for a while, you know I can get very, very angry. 
And I did not get very, very angry when I read that. I actually smiled and said, yeah, you caught me. I said Lydian, and I've been saying it for a while. But you know what? Over and over, and I was like, ah, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Can we we talk? Well, that's that's how this happens, Jim. So I saw a video with a famous guitar player who will remain nameless at this point, who was also using the term Lydian rather than Lydian. And I have used Lydian since I started playing guitar. The first time I saw it, I said, oh, that's clearly Lydian. Yeah. Mixolydian. I would not call it Mixolydian. What right, the hell? Mix-o-lydian. So I hear this guy pronouncing it, and it just kind of rubs off, and then you start using that pronunciation, too. It sucks. Don't do it. Yep. And so uh, another, another guy, Jay Wells, he said, friends, musicians, good, good people, lend me your innate abilities. For an unbiased opinion, which we know there's no such thing yeah. as an unbiased I opinion. am the most biased person here. We all know that every opinion that is given here is going to be a biased. But anyway, I've been wanting an Eddie Van Halen signature. This is Jay Wells. I've been wanting an Eddie Van Halen signature series for a long time. I know. Some will say why or not another one. But I love his sound. Not so much the technique, although he is a guitar god. I'm I'm paraphrasing. I'm more into the Van Hagar era sound. I know that's mostly Music Man, but I'm... Oh, I, I forgot about that part of that post. Van Hagar. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, me too. And I am debating on one of the specials, but which to go through, the PV or the EVH? I'll tell you right now, PV. PV. Yeah, I like the PVs. Um, and, I, and I mentioned it in the I, thread. I'll, I'll tell you why, Jay. The PV... Um, this is my opinion. I played them all. I played the, I played the PV. I played the Music Man. I played the uh, EVH recently, and uh, and the PV is the best value because PVs are the cheapest, and it's the exact same damn guitar. It's the exact same guitar. Yeah, they didn't do much. I mean, wood, everything. Yeah, the only thing they did was they changed the body shape a little bit, and you and know, I, and honestly, the PVs. I've owned yep. one. I actually really, really liked mine when I had it. Um, and I think it's actually on some of the recordings I've been working on because I, I didn't have that guitar that long ago. Um, right. I actually I got rid of that when I got my SG. I didn't need another double humbucker guitar. But that being said, um, I mean, Bird's Eye Maple Neck, great pickups. Uh, the body was wonderfully finished. And it wasn't an expensive guitar. I think I paid 700 for it. Um, if you want to go get a value, that's where you start. Cause you, for a thousand bucks, you can get fancy top. You can get uh, a Floyd Rose trim. You're going to get, I think they're all flat tops, aren't they? Yeah. Cause I know that EVH okay. is, there's some curved top ones now. Yeah. You got to remember that. Okay. So the EVH is supposed to give you that feel of the, of that era of the guitar. Right. And honestly, there was no carved top guitar that he was using at that time unless you count you know the the once in a while he used gibson on this or that he was usually using um uh kramer stuff and and fender stuff and jackson stuff that he was mishmashing together eddie van halen was famous for that and i'll say i'll say another thing if you're thinking about the amps for that um that type of sound the pv 5150 is still the best value and it's still the best amp in that in that category I, I prefer it to the new EVH amps. I do. Yeah, or the sixty five right the sixty five. 
I, you yeah, know, 6505, I, which is the exact same amp. They just had to change the name. We're going to have to disagree on, on that one because I think the EVH, uh, the I guess is what, the EVH3 or whatever, the 5153 from EVH. Yep. I like those amps. Um, I, yeah, I, but if you... Okay, go ahead. Well, so the, let's let's back up. So both of those amps are copies of a Soldano. Yes. Um, and anybody who tells you otherwise is full of shit. Because what he did was he basically sent a Soldano to PV and said, I want an amp that sounds like this. So they were reverse engineering a Soldano to see how it ticked <laughs> and then trying to recreate that on the budget. And Dan Brown was involved in this process. Uh, he doesn't out and out say that they were copying it, but he does admit that they had a, a Soldano sent to them as a, as a, hey, I want something that sounds like this kind of thing. These uh, that, that would be SLO 100. Um, and then... So the EVH3 is very much the same thing. I think it's got a little bit more Bogner texture to it, but yeah. it's, I mean, basically it's a modded Marshall with, you know, lots of gain yeah. and tone shaping. Now, uh, folks, I will, I will preface the rest of David's comments with David loves Marshall sounds. So since the EV3 is more like the Marshall. That's exactly what I was just going to say. He's going to give it that. More where, in that territory. Right. Where I will say that for me. They're both great. I Yeah, they are. But I'm going to say two things. One, um, I was first introduced to Saldano's personally when I played with a band in 2003, 2002, 2000. Might have been even 2001. But anyway, somewhere in 2001, <clears throat> um, I was playing with a guy, had a Saldano, loved it, loved it, loved the Bogner, loved the Saldanos. Mm-hmm. Um, high gain amps, very high gain amps. Um, 5150 came out, what, in the 2004 era, right? Was it I want to say two, I want to say 5150 was late 90s. The 5152 came out around two. 2002, 2001. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's yeah. the one I'm thinking of. And when I first saw one of those in action, which that might be why I thought it was 2003 time frame. Um, I was like, yeah, that's got it. That's, that's nailed it. They nailed it. Um, the only problem I have with the, the 5150 line is they, they're all about gain and they, they seem to lack character to me, but I have heard many, Uh, a metal band do some really fun stuff with them. So I was in a, I was in a band. We were doing, um, covers of course (laughs) of the time we were doing a lot of classic rock covers and everything else. And the guy was playing a um, Ibanez Wizard Two neck. I don't remember what the Ibanez model was. I don't think it's really that important. But it was a, he was all about the neck. Yeah, he, he didn't care. The, I don't think the model of the guitar he even cared. But it was all about that Wizard Two neck. He loved that Wizard Two. He had two of them, both of them with uh, the trem uh, locking trem, uh, and um, he had a fifty one fifty two head and uh, cabinet. Um, it was a monster. It was probably one of the best sounds. And he had very minimal, um, uh, pedal board. He had a boost and a reverb or delay, delay, digital delay. That was it. And of course, tuner. Yeah. I mean, and nowadays, so here's the reason why I'm not like super big on either of those amps. Nowadays, there's such a plethora of great sounding Marshall esque amps or high gain amps in general. I mean, yeah. you've got Mesa makes four or five different models that'll do that. And you've got uh Marshall, everything they've got now has a high gain channel on it. You've got 
Um, I don't think Marshall does high gain as well as other people do. No, they don't. They don't. Uh, oh. Rivera Rivera has, you know, its whole set. And, like, I, there's just all these different companies you can buy from. I mean, I'm just scratching the surface. We talk about Bogner and Soldano. No. And, Uber, and, yeah. I mean. Because Bogner's Ubershaw series. And no, the, screw um, the Ubershaw. I want an ecstasy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Nobody ecstasy wants a fucking Ubershaw. Yeah, I want to I wanna shit in my pants. <laughs> The Uber shawl is about making you shit in your pants. It it's is, about accurately a, recreating the brown the note. The brown sound. <laughs> it's literally going after the brown sound. But if you're a metal guy, if you're, well, I say if, metal. I'm if, not, not my metal. If my metal is Iron Maiden. If you're playing down-tuned guitars. Yes. And you're looking for an amp that can make your bass player pissed off. Uber yeah. shawl. And your audience shit its pants. <laughs> yes. Then you're looking at Ubershaw. No, actually, I, I really like the Ubershaw sound, but it's just not something I'd be after ever. So, I mean, I'm not saying, like, don't buy an Ubershaw or not. Framus makes amps, too, and they make, like, the Cobra and stuff, and those sound pretty good. Uh, there's I think Buzzmacher would like I'm Ubershaw. just going to stop. I, oh, what, Diesel. Maybe, <laughs> uh, we, I mean, there's so many damn amps. Who is yep. it? Eric Eckel or somebody like that that plays Diesel? Um... What about Eggnator? What did you think of Eggnator? I Eggnator could I, I didn't think much of Eggnator. I think Bruce Eggnator, I think he's a great designer. I think he's built some really cool stuff. He's part of the brains behind the Randall uh module system, which by the way, I was listening to the Line Six podcast today, and Smashing Pumpkins, who are on tour right now, are using the yeah, Eggnator the- module systems, yeah. Randall heads with yeah. modules and uh and helixes. Yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to catching that tour. I wish I could go. I think I already missed the date. Well, um, I just saw, let me tell you something while, while you're looking up some stuff. <clears throat> I just saw. Maybe you Jer- tell us about that. Con- yeah. Tell us about that concert. You just went to journey and Def Leppard. And let me tell you something, both, both bands. Incredible. You got to give Def Leppard the fact that other than one, ca- um, one member who has passed away, that's an original band right there. That's everybody that, well, I mean, you could argue that Phil Collin joined them a little bit later, but uh, that was after Into the Night, so it's not that big a deal. Um, he's pretty much been there for all the hits. <clears throat> um, and uh, as far as Journey went, you know, I mean, they've gone back to, they got Steve Smith back on drums. They've got, you know, Dean Kane on, on keys. I mean, um, and of course, Neil, the, you know, on guitar. I mean, um, oh, and Ross Valerie back on bass, you know, after he had left for a while there when Randy Jackson replaced him. So um, it, I loved it. The The sound was great. But let me tell you something. <clears throat> we all have those times. The the guitar player for Def Leppard stepped on his boost pedal or his tech did. And let me tell you something. The whole place just because he had a, um, he was playing a Les Paul gold top with P90s. <clears throat> and that thing just was way too fucking loud. <laughs> it just screamed. But he he tamed that bitch down, rode it through, and then when he um, when he was done, I think he was enjoying the heck out of that feedback because his turnaround of that amp behind him, you know, to his cabinet, he just let that thing ring like crazy. My ears are still ringing two days later. <laughs> um, as you're talking, I'm looking to see if I can get tickets for Smashing Pumpkins in Indiana. <laughs> yeah. And um, no, that's that's fine. And uh, you know, let me tell you, Neil 
the thing about Neil Sean, I, I love Neil Sean. I really do. I, you know, uh, his wife was there, you know, dancing on the side of the stage, um, uh, his trophy, I mean, or his wife, I mean, um, and <laughs> he's he a wonderful there. human being. Let's just put yeah, it that way. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk, let's talk about him trying to throw Santana out of Santana. He was, yeah. He was a kid. He was what, 18 when yeah, he did that? Yeah, and he was already a jackass with no respect <laughs> yeah, for his was, elders. He had no gene. He doesn't care. He just doesn't care. The guy kills me. Um, you know, he, he reminds me um, sometimes like, uh, remember when Eddie Van Halen was announcing that they got the guy from um, uh, More Than Words there? What, what the hell was the name of that band? Uh, <sighs> with Nuno Benincourt. I wish that I singer. Know. Remember when he yeah. joined them for that one album and it yeah. was awful. And he was like, Oh yeah, we're so excited. It wasn't Nuno Bettencourt, but yeah, no, it was a guy from Gary, Gary Sharon. Gary Sharon. Yeah. That's it. I Who can forget that name? And, and Oh, good. Look extreme. That was the band yeah. I was trying to think of. They got the extreme singer there. Gary Sharon in there. Oh, good. Look. First of all, the, the, they, they wore the right um, clothes for the video, because they were dressed kind of like clowns for that thing. Yeah. and Or at least jesters, right? Remember that? And I remember Eddie coming out and saying, yeah, it's so good. We, we were really vibing with this guy. And I was like, can I, can I, can I tell this, the real story yeah. here? Yeah, Eddie. Yeah, go ahead. So Eddie comes out and says, and, th- and this is the last thing we're going to talk about before we wrap up here. But Eddie comes out and he says, um, we all know Eddie's batshit crazy at this point anyway. We, we've read the last Rolling Stone interview. Um, Eddie comes out and says, Gary Sharon is the best singer we've ever had. And this is the voice of this band. And we're so glad that we found this guy and that, that, you know, he just fits our model and he's very professional and works with us and all the things we need. But the funny thing was, Eddie had said the exact same thing before about Sammy Hagar. So... Eddie's basically just saying, we got a new singer. This is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's just, he ended up looking like a buffoon because the fans did not buy that record at all. They were like, this is bullshit. Like, what are they doing? Yeah, that was the worst record. And, you know, if you get the double um, greatest hits, not one song from that is on there. No. I want to I I get two more points in before we go. Uh, John Osborne said he got the MXR Sugar Drive. Great pedal. I wonder if it's sweet. Jay Wells asked if it was sweet. Get it? Anyway, um, the uh, sugar drive. Hey, come on. It was a good joke. All right. So, no, it wasn't. It was a terrible joke. Okay. It's like that pea melter. <laughs> Which we're not going to talk about. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so. I'm talking about wait, plastic. What are you talking about? The plastic melter. Yes. It's, it, that's, that's what happens when you. Uh, when you put your plastic. That's right. When you put your um, uh, the wrong cable into the amp, you're going to burn plastic. Believe me. Um, the other the other thing that I want to talk to is uh, yeah, Eddie Van Halen. Remember when um, uh, Eddie slammed on um, uh, bass player Anthony Michael Anthony? Yeah. <clears throat> Remember when he slammed on him, and then uh, what the Hagar jumped up to his defense and said, and I mean Hagar was willing to burn a pile of bridges to go fuck you Eddie no and he should have and the thing is uh he did Michael Anthony was more important to Van Halen 
than Eddie Van Halen was. I mean, and I, and I don't, I mean that from the bottom of my heart in the sense that Michael Anthony was a songwriter that was responsible for a lot of the hits. Yep. And so yep. you're pissing on him. And everybody who knows anything about this is just like, shut your fucking mouth. Right. Like, so people, <clears throat> in Van Halen history, they make the Gary Sharon record, right? Which I call Extreme Halen. And then yeah. <laughs> they go they go on for another 10 years with nothing. They don't do anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then they drop this Best of Both Worlds record or whatever with... um. With uh, is that the what is that what they called it? Best of both worlds or something yes, like that. With Hagar, with Hagar came back. Or, I mean, not Hagar. Um, Hagar. Uh, uh, Sammy um, Davis Jr. Now, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> David Lee Roth. Okay. Yes. Um, with David, same age, right? <laughs> when David Lee Roth came back, and and that album was not well received. No. And and it's because they burnt their bridges with fans. Yeah, like this would be a lesson to any aging rock group that's like trying to reinvent themselves. Don't (laughs) do what Van Halen did. Do what the Rolling Stones did, which is to stay true to your identity. That's what I was talking about when when it came to, um, uh, you know, Def Leppard and Journey. Let me tell you something. That place was rocking. It was everybody was on their feet. And the the thing that pissed me off when it came to Van Halen was, oh, we're bringing. we're bringing David Lee Roth back. I was like, yes, because that was, yeah. to me, that was a voice of it. No offense to anybody that's a Sammy Hagar fan. I love Sammy Hagar for what Sammy Hagar I like Hagar Sammy does. Hagar's music. I don't like right. his music with Van Halen. Right. I was not a, a Van Hagar fan. But that's, I mean, everybody's got their thing. You know, Bon Scott. Sure. You know, Brian sure, Johnson. Sure. That I got you. <clears throat> but then, hey, you know what? We got, we got David Lee Roth back. Let's kick Michael Anthony out of the band. Because I'm going to bring my kid along. Yeah. What? And my kid can outplay Michael. I don't give a shit if your kid can play standing on his head. I don't give a shit. He he is not Van Halen. Your fucking kid is your fucking kid. You want to go tour with your kid? Go tour with your kid and do the Van Halen show of just your name. But don't tell me that he is the freaking sound of Van Halen. He's not. And you know what? You know what gets off. me? So Piss me off. all of the insanity in that group is centered around Eddie. Yeah, Alex, his brother, has got to be sitting there going, "Man, why do I let this guy speak for me?" I, I, you never hear Alex. No, you never, never. never. He's he's an underrated drummer. He's one of the one. best. If if Alex Van Halen wasn't even in that band, it, it, Eddie would be off in left field playing some fucking crazy shit that doesn't that doesn't keep time. Yeah, Eddie cannot keep. Time. Time. He Literally. cannot L- listen to him do anything where there's no drums. Right. It sounds he's awful. Just, he's just out there. I mean, that his brother is his brother and and uh, Michael Anthony were a clock ticking. I mean, they were just a machine. Yeah. And they were they were everything. They were the the um, all the harmony came from that. And when. <clears throat> Hagar was right when he said Eddie didn't play the same chords twice. It's all well and good when you're comping. Yeah. But try to be somewhere in the melody because you're not there. <clears throat> and and I, that's not saying I'm not saying I'm a better guitar player than Va- Eddie Van Halen. No, hell no. A better song. What I'm saying is 
that <clears throat> I think is way overrated when it comes to guitar players. Matter of fact, I'll say this. Neil Schoen is is one of the most underrated guitar players I've ever seen or heard of. And the only reason is because everybody's <laughs> it's its ego that puts him where he is. Jim's laughing because I have a look that. on my face right now like <laughs> Neil Schoen. Look, that. I know how good Neil Schoen is as a player. He is good. He is good. But I yes. wouldn't say he's better than any. Unfortunately. No, 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 no. I'm saying he's underrated. Sure. You never hear about him. Eh. You never hear about him in these lists. You, know? I, you don't like, hear about him nowadays. But when, when they were in their heyday, Neil Strom was on the top of everybody's list. Yeah. So, Could be. He, Could be. He's playing anyway. with Santana. That's all I can say. Hey, guys, you know, tell us some of your favorite guitar players. I mean, it, it's a huge thing <clears throat> to... Uh, um, uh, when when you start talking about this, because everybody's like, oh, yeah, well, you think you're better than them? No, I never said that. All right. I said that we're, we're, you know, I have I have one more thing to add about uh, out of this episode. Yes, there was a, uh, a thing that went down in the Helix group the other day. That was oh, kind, it was kind of funny. And I'm I'm getting I'm getting raked over the coals for what I did. Oh, and I yeah. don't really give a fuck. OK, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I say that with the utmost intent. Somebody posted a picture or a video of one of these prodigy kids, right? Oh, yeah. A kid that's really, really good on guitar. And it's always a kid sitting in his bedroom in front yeah. of his computer with, and yeah. I, now we're talking this kid's like eight or nine, right? He's sitting in his bedroom in front of his computer with the studio monitors and just going ape shit. Like, really good guitar player, right? But the way I always look at these is I'm like, okay, so you can play to a backing track, which is basically a metronome. Like, right. all right, great, wonderful. Now let's see you get up in front of a group. Let's see how you can handle playing with other musicians. Right. And very rarely do you see like that. Okay. So right. that's what I commented. And I basically said, I'm sure this kid is very good. He has a bright future in music. He just needs to cut his teeth with real musicians. And until yep. and until I see that, I'm not worshiping at this kid's altar. Immediately, people start jumping my shit. And they're, oh, yeah. and they're like, you're so negative. Listen, I just said the kid's extremely talented. What the fuck? Can you not read? Are you blind? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I'll put it in Braille if I have to. I, I, I'm being very positive, which is this idea that this kid could improve. He could really be something, and I hope he is. And the reason why is because we need young guitar players. We still need these kids doing this stuff. Okay? Absolutely. So, I... I just I was flabbergasted that people were thinking I was being so damn negative. So I just I went off on it and I was like, listen, I was like 50 percent of the guitar players in this group and 50 percent of the guitar players on the Internet are probably guys that never leave their bedroom. OK, right. so they have no right to to basically say, oh, well, this kid's a gr an excellent musician. Well, based on your standard. But that's not that's not being a musician. OK. Being a musician is being able to get on stage with people, to have good communication with people, to stay on the road with people and not kill each other, to know what you have to do to get the job done. Okay? Right. Getting the job done is not taking your <clears throat> guitar out of the case, putting the strap on, and playing the chords. It's um, all the stuff that before and after that. It's a big bookend. I, I'm going to add to that and say all these folks that post these um, – Put these posts up of, oh, look at this killer guitar player. Or look at look at my cover of blah, blah, blah. And they're playing with the original music. No, not even playing to a track with a removed guitar part. They're playing with the original. Well, I don't know what you're doing. What's you and what's them? 
So in this case, I, that was not what was going on. He was playing a composed right. piece of music that he had written. Right. And right. the funnier thing was somebody said, go look at this kid's YouTube channel because they, they were saying this video has gone viral, but actually he's got a lot of videos on YouTube. So I went and watched some of them and there are some of him performing with the band. Right. Uh, I, he's from somewhere in Asia or India. I'm not sure which. Uh, right. That region of the world. And um, so his, band, his band was kids <clears throat> that are He's probably eight or nine. The band's probably 12, 13-ish, each kid. Yeah. And yeah. they were horrible. And yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I get it. Like, they're kids. And, and, and so I, I was there when I was a kid playing, you know, at, at 14, 15 years old. But I never had bands that sounded that bad. And it's yeah. not that the kid, the kid was at fault. Actually, the kid was the only part that I wanted to listen to. Right, right. But they had yeah. a drummer who couldn't keep time. They had a singer who couldn't tell <clears throat> what the fuck she was doing. Yeah, yeah. So she was a typical singer. Couldn't find the key. Didn't know where to come in. So long, long story short. Um, look, I, I, I'm not attempting to be negative. I just wanted to make sure that the stereotype that's being that's being portrayed by the bedroom players is that right. if you if you're constructive, you're being negative. No, I'm being constructive. I want people like this to play. Like you don't you don't right. understand it. Um, right, and it's just something that doesn't come across on the internet. Like, no, it's are, hard. They don't get the inflection of like, you know, hey, no. you know, this kid's really good. But, um, so that's the other part. As a part of this conversation in this thread, people are like, "I bet you can't play like him." My wife laughs because she she read one of those over my shoulder. She goes, "No, he can." <laughs> yeah, she's like, she's like, "No, I actually, could probably outplay him." <laughs> yeah, and and, and that's I, not and that's not what you're trying to do. That's yeah, not even what you're that, trying to that, say. That never even occurred to me. I was yeah. like. No, I don't even care. Like, I'm not comparing myself to somebody else. I'm, I'm a musician. You're a musician. We don't compare ourselves. This isn't a competition. Right, right. And it's not. We've said that before. Okay, one more thing. Greta Van, Greta Van Fleet. Good, bad, or indifferent? Led Zeppelin. Bad. I've got, I'm going to say bad. <laughs> bad. It's not Led Zeppelin. They're obviously trying. I, okay, so you asked no, me about No, what I the, said was Led Zeppelin. I'd rather listen to Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. I got you now. Um, when, when I was at the concert, the only thing about Journey is, um, right now, is that um, Arnell, who is an incredible singer, people don't think that I don't recognize. Yeah, you know, he, is, he is great. A, a double negative there, but I recognize 100% how tough that is. He does that night after night. That kid has so much energy. He's so incredible. I say kid. He's only and, a three, a few years younger. And most of the fans in the audience are looking at him going, what the hell is he doing here? Right. But <clears throat> I, I Greta Van Fleet reminds me of him. He is singing out of his natural. Um, it, it's not his uh, first language. English is not his first language. Correct. So when he sings, he's really not. There's sometimes you can go, okay, he's just doing notes here. He's not, he's not really feeling this song. He doesn't know how to because he really doesn't understand the message. And it's OK. He didn't grow up in America. He didn't grow up under circus life, you know, another big top world. But he's in, he's delivering the notes and it's incredible. I get that feeling with Greta Van Fleet. It's like. I, and believe me, I don't know. I, I wouldn't know them if I walked into them in the grocery store. I don't know what they look like. I just don't care. Mm -hmm. But I've heard them and I'm like, Meh. OK. It's a guy trying to sound like Robert Plant trying to do a different song. Yeah. But I get nothing 
nothing from that music. I don't get anything from the vocals. I'm not getting the feeling from the guitar. I'm just like, okay, yep, there's some uh, Jimmy Page riffs. Actually, when there... you said when you said Greta Van Fleet, you know what I should have said? Yeah, well, Rival Sons. Oh. <laughs> remember, there was a band you might may or may not remember them in the '90s called Kingdom Come. Yeah, they were another. Oh, listen to them. They're going to be another um, Led Zeppelin. There's not going to be another Led Zeppelin. Music no. has moved on. Stop trying to do that. Yeah. Do your own thing. Now they're out there going, we were never trying to be Led Zeppelin. You know? Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit. You were not. I get. No, I just sing that. just like Robert Plant. Yeah, I just I sing like Robert Plant. just like Jimmy Page. And yeah, I'm, I'm swinging a, a, Les Pla- a Les Paul low and I'm playing exactly the same riffs as him. You could artificially be different. That. You know, you could make a decision. Okay, we sound like these guys. We got to change it up. Right. They never did okay. that. Just admit, hey, we did that. We got our name out there. Now we're going to do our own crap. You're going to hate it. I mean, I don't know. Just saying. All right. All right, Rebecca Black. That's the end of this. That's the end of this. (laughs) We're we're done. Took a fork in it. It's an hour, 20 minutes. We were going to go 45. (laughs) All right, Jim. You have you have successfully read the entire Facebook group at this point. Yes. So. I've been David. I have been Jim. And we were the practical guitarists. That's correct. <laughs>